Hi, this is Runa and you're listening to the Chainsmakers podcast where we share tips, insight, tools and stories from other Chainsmakers designed to motivate you to become the change you want to see in your world. Make sure you join our Chainsmakers community at runamagnus.com forward slash podcast. And now, this is your time to sit back, relax and enjoy. Episode is sponsored by the Normal Boxes Movement. Do you sometimes feel like you're stuck in a box, or do you feel like your company culture, like your team, is stuck in a box? You're just doing the same thing over and over again, and it's not giving you the result that you are looking for, that you're seeking for. Chances are, you and your team are stuck in a box. It could be your biases. It could be your genders. It could be your statuses. It could be so many different things. In fact, according to our study, we found out that there are eight drivers behind the boxes that you are in. And in one normal company, there are at least 10 boxes that the company needs on a regular basis to look into and check. Is everything in there that still needs to be in there? Yeah, that's what No More Boxes Movement is all about. If you want to know more about No More Boxes Movement, hey, check out the website, www.nomoreboxesmovement.com. And now to our guest, Ruthie Childer. She is a co-founder and chief executive officer of the Participation Agency. Ruthie Shoulder reinvented the agency model, buckling the trend of conventional pay-to-play opportunities in music and arts, and she started the participation agency to develop radical experience campaigns with brands as partners, not clients. Woo-hoo. Focused on the idea of placemaking, Ruthie pioneered for those who tour a series of sophisticated rest stops for creatives in developing markets. Serving musicians on the on tour for those who tour roots, culture and arts through emerging markets across the U.S. Invigorating cities with world renowned talent and giving brands, partners, organic exposure. I love this, this interview with Ruthie. Not only did we have the opportunity to talk about marketing, money, gender, you name it, we went over the over the moon and back on so many of the things that are changing what is going on how do how do women fit into all of this plus so much more i hope you're gonna love ruthie and this special episode with ruthie shoulder here she goes ruthie shoulder welcome to the change makers podcast super thrilled to have you as our guest I am you've so happy done, to be here. You've done an amazing things in your life. And your accomplishments are something that is just, uh, just blew me away when I, when I was doing my research. Can you tell and share a little bit your background? Where did Ruthie come from? And I know it's a long, it's a big question, yeah. but, but you know, give yeah. us a little bit of your, your background. How did you come to that magical place that you're in today? Sure. I'll I'll even start with saying I'm the youngest child. I'm youngest of three. So I was able to get away with a lot growing up. And I have a little bit of a renegade spirit. And I've always had somewhat of a risk taker type of spirit. And I 
was able to just, you know, say to my parents, I'm going to do this thing while everyone else is doing that thing. And they got used to that. And so I think that that really kind of like fueled some of my (laughs) more, you know, entrepreneurial approaches to life because I knew that I was always a person that like pushed boundaries and that it all ended up working out in the end. I was raised like 45 minutes from New York City. And so New York, where I still live now, is always kind of like my playground and my inspiration. And, you know, I grew up really, really steeped in a lot of different cult- like culture, like theater and going to lectures and sporting events and doing a whole host of different things. I feel so lucky to be able to have had had at my disposal really open my eyes to a lot of things. And then I started when I was in my early 20s, I started a business and it just came off of an off of like a hole in the marketplace that I saw in the kind of like kid fashion world. And I started this business with a friend and I was like so sure about this idea. And we kind of worked on I worked on it for about two years. She I think is still working on it in some capacity all these years later, but it got a ton of press, but it made like very little money. Mm. And that combined with some like differences that we were having in our partnership, you know, really inspired me to move on and to go to business school. And I got my MBA from NYU. And while I was there, I started another small business where I was like selling my gluten-free baked goods around New York City. And then, yeah, which was so interesting. And then, you know, I guess I'm just a person who needs to be doing things and needs to be bringing ideas into the world. And Sometimes they work and sometimes they don't. And when the risks are low, that's okay. And then I graduated business school and I started a marketing agency with somebody who I had known, who I'd worked on a couple of different projects with, my current business partner, Jessica. And we really wanted to hone in on a place of marketing that we thought was like the very, the next phase, like how social media marketing had really blown up at the time. And so we are, uh, we're an experiential marketing agency. So we create marketing campaigns that are rooted in some form of live experience, but then amplified with a big digital world around it. Wow. So really about allowing people to get to know the, uh, the story behind the product or the person or whoever. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, bringing them yeah. into a space where the space can really, really act as like the runway for the product or the service or creating brand awareness. Yeah, exactly. And what do you see? Because they, this whole thing about marketing, um, you know, first marketing overall, then marketing online and, and the funnels and everything. And so many people, what I've noticed in, this, in the space that I am in, so many people that are, in the personal development field or, or in those solo entrepreneurs, they are struggling with this bit. I see so many of them fall into the, the trap or fall into the box to think, they number one, they have to do it all by themselves and they have to learn all of these things by themselves. And then they're not really clear on what is their brand or, or right. how do I actually do all of this? What, what, are your, what is your experience? Is, is this changing or where are we today? Yeah, so I think with smaller companies, like we had a period of time, we work with giant brands and also yeah. some smaller, more established brands, but we had a period of time where we really wanted to work with like well-funded startups. Yeah. And we'd go and have meetings with these entrepreneurs who had managed to raise, you know, $15 million or something like that. And they 
didn't understand marketing and they didn't understand the value and they didn't understand that it's something you had to put money into. They were so high on their own idea of I have the best idea in the world that they allocated no budget, no resources. (laughs) And, you know, it's especially in today's era where like businesses are being started all the time. It is not if you build it, they will come. That's just, it isn't how it works. And you have to put time and money and brain power and resources into marketing. And if you don't, it's a huge miss. I think on the flip side, you know, there are some, some of the huge companies that we work with and they're all amazing and I love them all. But, um, you know, I think that some of them think kind of siloed. And so one department will be thinking about communications to X group and one Mm. of them will be thinking about it that way. And, I, you know, it's easier for me to say because I'm like far removed and it's always easy to to play that role of how you can you do it better. But I think that if they're, if the marketing team got to sit with the sales team and understand, well, what is the business objective of launching this product? And so then the marketing team could also be really metrics focused and not just like awareness focused. Mm -hmm. Like that's how I like to think of things. And I see that missing in a lot of these like much larger corporations and conversations. And I, I think it's a mistake. Yeah. It make me, when you're saying that, it, it, reflecting on a lecture that I was listening to the other day, it was talking about the, as we're stepping into the new, new decade, we was talking about one of the things that are, we're going to see more of with, and this, this is all part of the fourth revolution, um, was more of the small is the new big. And when you're saying that, it sounds like, in order for things to really, either the corporations have to really rethink how they, well, I actually think they need to really think their things so that they really get the most of their budget yeah. that they have. Yeah. Or it actually the new, the, the, the new small is going to be the new big. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's interesting because you want people to stay in their lanes, but I also think that like, if you have really, really great hybrid thinkers, like if you have a marketer who's also strategic, you're just going to, you're going to get so much further than if like the marketing team is just executing on what the other team said, or if the events team is just executing on the marketing, you know, like it's, it all snowballs into each other. Yeah, exactly. And then at the end of the day, it's about finger pointing, isn't it? When it, when it doesn't work. Yeah. Always. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. yeah. Before I, I press the record button, we were talking about the beauty of being a woman in the business world and women today and gender box of being a woman entrepreneur. Now you're a woman entrepreneur. Yeah. And so am I. And uh one of the things that we at the with the normal boxes movement, we've been looking at part of the women movement is it a little bit stuck in that movement do we still in the you know 2020 do we still have to think that women entrepreneurs need special guidance to marketing i mean is that anything different that women entrepreneurs are going to do than man entrepreneurs or mixed groups of entrepreneurs is your question, do they need, like, is it, is it sort of like melt? Yeah, yeah, is it anything different? Do we still need, or, is you know, is it, I'm just basically, are we, are we in the old phase of saying, yes, empowerment to women, which, by the way, I'm nothing against, but I'm just thinking about, do we still need 
special thing for women when it comes to entrepreneurship or marketing or teaching or, or whatever? Yeah. Like, what, are your, um, what is your view on that? Yeah. Well, I think, you know, we were talking a little bit about mentorship before and do yeah. women and men need the same mentorship or the same kind of mentorship? I think absolutely yes. I mentor a lot of men as well. I think that everybody needs to like be more aware, more self-aware. And for me, like the style of mentorship that I am able to add value with to people that I work with is kind of on that level of just kind of helping them see things that they can't see because they're so in it. And like, how is, what's the ecosystem of their team and how is that affecting their thinking or you know, if they're younger and this is their first job, like what are you being told that you kind of just have to let go out the other ear? And I do think that that's true for both genders. Um, I still think we need to be more proactive with women Mm -hmm. just because we're the first ones to kind of like throw our hands up and and not take care of ourselves. Like that sounds really pedestrian but I do kind of think it's true of like women are conditioned to make themselves small to make other people feel comfortable and so the more that they can have the more that we can all talk about that and many many other things we all need to talk about Mm. I think it is important because I think it gives people who don't have the language like you and I are people who clearly do a lot of inner work Mm -hmm. and who are like doing a lot of deep dives into this kind of stuff but like I would say 90% of the women especially the young women coming up today they don't have the language and they don't have the tools and they don't know where to look. And so Mm. I think it's really important to make sure that the con, it doesn't mean you don't mentor the men, but it really means you don't ignore the women or you go proactively, you proactively go after it because I do think that there's still a lot of catching up to do in terms of confidence in the workplace and in terms of having vision for what your career could even be. Um, you know, like women are raised, like starting from whatever age of how is your career going to affect your future family life? Men aren't raised that way. Like we're making a lot of decisions based on a lot of outside noise. And I don't think that men are experiencing that in the same way. And I do think it's important that we talk about it because if you don't talk about it, nothing changes. I would love to get to a place where we never have to talk about it at all. But like, I think we're 15 years away from that if we're lucky because or else the pattern, if we don't all work together to like throw off all of these patterns, Mm -hmm. they're just going to keep perpetuating. Yeah, I agree with you. And look at what the opening that movements like Me Too movement has, has has given us on so many levels. I don't even think it has given us everything that we're about to say, but really this openness, what you're just saying, just having that conversation, uh, regardless of your gender, of uh, what sort of a family do you, or family do you want to create? Or, or And because it, a family is, it's not just a mom with a child, or a dad with a child, it is hopefully the parents with 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 their children, um, and that that conversation. What I, one of the things that I've noticed? Uh, I mean, I'm I'm Icelandic, and and, um, and Iceland has been ranking number one for gender equality for I think nine or ten years in the world. And one of the things that I've noticed in in this journey that that we've we're all on, and and we've reached a certain point over here is how dads just as much as moms are 
stepping wanting to contribute and now that we've talked you know the talk is really really no biggie if it's the the the, the father stays at home during mm-hmm. parent leave or the mom stays at home or actually they lost as they they both have their rights and should be equally divided between the two of them they can't just one of them take the whole parental leave but then then it becomes the norm and so we're what we're what you're saying is maybe being really proactive in creating that new norm yeah definitely i think it's like i said i think it's still going to take time but yeah and i think that the more people bought into the future vision of it the faster we'll get there which is why i think it is important to be having the conversations like across the board yeah. And to, you know, be really vocal to shine light on the people who are, like, paving the way. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Now, you are paving the way yourself. You are making a difference in the world by creating, you know, opening up the experience to marketing for, for businesses. What is your big vision, if I may ask? You know, what is your big vision you want to see you, yourself, and your company in 10 years' time, five years' time? Yeah, well, we're, over the years, as our company has become a lot more stable and has grown, we've been able, we've been very, very lucky to been able to evolve into a much more values-driven company. And the values that we're really focused on are inclusion and diversity and sustainability. And those also all work together to create really good marketing programs. But the one that I'll talk about specifically is sustainability because our approach to that is twofold. One is that your marketing campaign should work and that also just creates a sustainable marketing campaign. So just throwing dollars at things that feel cool or fun or sexy, like, but like go away after a week. Like that's not our approach because I don't think that's sustainable from a marketing perspective, but also it's not sustainable from a resource perspective. So we're constantly, constantly pushing our clients um, and ourselves to say, how can we be, you know, waste-free? Like we just made our office plastic-free. We have a huge project that's been running for three years for one of the biggest companies in the world. And it's a 20,000 square foot space and we just made it all plastic-free and we started a composting program, like small steps, but we're very, very, very much like we don't operate any other way at this point. Mm -hmm. And so the sustainability of just from like the dollars perspective of, also showing these giant companies of like, you can make change in small ways with some of these dollars. And like, you can be mindful of this every single step of the way is a really, really big thing for us. And like my vision for the company is to become increasingly values driven. You know, even now we're really lucky of, you know, we pretty much only work on projects that we care about. (laughs) And that's really important to us because that's when the projects go really well, because we're very, very, very passionate team from my co-founder and I all the way down, like all across the board, we're a very passionate team. And so we'll, we just bring 400% of ourselves when it is something that we care about. And so we're really just like focused on growing our business in those kinds of projects. And we're able to do that because we're a privately owned company and, you know, revenue is incredibly important to us and we're very ambitious and we've grown our company leaps and bounds from a revenue standpoint every single year, except the year I had my twins, which is something I always think about, but like revenue is incredibly, incredibly important to us, but we think that you can make a ton of money while also really sticking to your values. Yeah. Which I think is the, talking about the new normal, 
I think that's the the new normal. For sure, <laughs> it should be. Yeah, it should be. And sure. and uh, and something that I I truly honestly believe that people overall businesses and, and are thinking about and yeah. where in their in the ecosystem what are they what are they you know consciously choosing as part of their system so to correct yeah. so for someone who is in that in that phase of thinking okay i really do need to take a look at this and see what i can do in my own marketing where's if they go to get more information about your agency and how to get in touch with you yeah, the website for our agency. So the agency is named the Participation Agency. So the website is this is the pa.com. And my email is ruthie, R U T H I E, at this is the pa.com. And LinkedIn is another great place to find me. Beautiful. Ruthie, thank you so much for being thank a guest you. and for bringing in experiential marketing into the world. Thank you. Was this podcast of value for you? I sure hope so. If so, feel free to share the love and give us your generous review on iTunes or Stitcher. And remember that you can always go to runamagnus.com to find out more about the changemakers and how we can help you drive the change you want to see in your world.